You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? This is Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. theme going a little bit here, right? Little point of no return from Kansas. Six three nine forty nine hundred. That's the uh, Baker Team Hotline. Anything that's on your mind? Text line seven four four twenty nine ninety. Andy Bitter, Dwight Vick. A little bit later in the program. good song good band by the way kansas i think this is my favorite kansas song i mean i like carry on my wayward son my favorite part right here good stuff man Good stuff. In any event, I digress. Could listen to some Kansas today and you'll feel better about your Thursday. Although we just heard Brent Watts say blustery again. That's the word I don't want to hear. Ooh. Yeah. Blustery. No. No. No blustery. But yeah, apparently so. Blustery. It's back. <sighs> But, hey, no precip. I'm looking ahead here. We got cold, but at least it's sunny tomorrow. I'll be heading out of town late tomorrow afternoon to go to uh, Spartanburg for Saturday's game. 50 on Saturday. Championship Sunday, upper 40s. And then you get into the 50s again next week. And I don't see any little snowflakes or any little ice pellets in those uh, future forecast clouds. So, hey, if we can somehow get out of January into February without any of that nasty frozen stuff, man, man, you talk about just... Then you start to get excited a little bit. And then you're usually, though, we're harshly reminded about February. (laughs) February is usually that month. Might be the shortest month, but... That's usually the one that kind of crushes us a little bit, right? That's usually it right there. 
I went with both road teams this weekend. Sam just wrote in. Who'd you pick for the games? I did. I picked both road teams. I don't know. Why not? I really do believe the Bengals are better than the Chiefs right now. And the 49ers is a bit of a roll of the dice traveling from across country to that harsh environment with a quarterback like uh, Brock Purdy. Ooh, that's right. We have Groundhog Day coming up. Wayne reminded me of that. Now, in the past, whether it was Logan, the former, uh, the former producer, when he went out for his famous did you see your shadow or not walk, he correctly predicted the rest of that particular winter into spring. And Puxacondi County Phil was wrong. The last time we did it with Neil Leahy in year two, he predicted incorrectly that we would have six more weeks of winter. That's because Neil loves winter. <laughs> So now I have to figure out if I can do that on the air now that I'm producerless for the time being. Godzilla was correct, by the way, about winter, too. Haven't heard from Godzilla in a while. Might be a little too cold for Godzilla. Then again, he can warm it up whenever he wants to. So maybe I'll go out this year and see. Get a somehow have like a uh, a wireless mic or something and I can just kind of wander out there. Or maybe it'll work out to where I'm on the road doing the show from a different gym or a different hotel or whatever. And I can actually have a producer here and I can walk around the outside of the hotel and see whether or not I'm able to uh, see my shadow or not. Buxatani Phil, always given way too much credit. Buxatani Phil, right? He's been the guy. And when he sees his shadow, that means six more weeks of winter. Logan did not see his shadow. Neil claimed he did. Either event, this program has produced two mild ends of winters. <laughs> the last two years will be on. This will be year three. <laughs> so that I'm very proud of. We should get Logan back here. And uh, he's living in Roanoke now. I gave him to come back just to do that one more time. What was great about when he went out to... <laughs> when he went out... That first year, and we did that with the predicting of the shadow. I mean, he went to the nth degree. He walked all over the parking lot. He walked across the road. He was out there trying to see. I mean, he put a lot of effort into it. And we set him up with a microphone, and he was out doing his thing. But we could only come to the conclusion that he never saw his shadows, so therefore, 
And you know the thing's rigged if they go out there and it's always sunny because then, of course, all they're basically doing is following what the calendar says is likely to happen, right? You do know that, right? Oh, wait a minute. We're in the first week of February, then we're likely to have six more weeks of winter because spring doesn't hit until later on. (laughs) So that's basically all it is. But they get, what, the dude all dressed up at the top hat and the tree, and there's the groundhog not having any clue. All he's figuring out is, where can I go to hide? Can I have some food? And maybe I'll defecate. Now, whether you want to claim whether or not I saw my shadow, that's up to you. That's up to you. But I'm not really on board for this, but I'll do it anyway. So we'll figure out something for Groundhog Day here on the program. Coming up. So Radford has a huge game tonight against Longwood. Be on ESPNU. I don't know what that shows up on any other watching device on my direct TV. It's at uh, 208. And I'm going to have a decision to make now that the National Football League, I mean, I know they did it for money, but Turning the Sunday ticket over to YouTube, I think, is going to prove to be not a great decision for them. Anyway, DirecTV loses that contract with the Sunday ticket, which they had exclusively. And now I have to really think about whether or not I want to keep my DirecTV. That was basically the reason I did that, so I could see the out-of-town games in particular with my beloved Broncos. So now that changes the whole ball game. It's disappointing. Very, very disappointing. In theory, it sounds great, right, to be able to stream these things. But, you know, I tell you what, you're assuming a lot there. And I still believe the NFL fan base has got a nice mixture of uh, more veteran fans, older fans, middle-aged fans as opposed to just young newbies. So, you know, we already talked about the ratings being down on Amazon from just the Thursday games before they even made an effort to put better matchups this year, which they did, right? They brought in uh, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. The games were a little better matchup-wise, actually a lot better. Yet the ratings were not nearly as strong as they were even when the games were crappier on network television, whether that be, you know, Fox, ESPN, NFL Network, whatever it might be. So I I just, I don't know. A little curious. A little curious about that. So we shall see how all this plays out in the long run with YouTube being in charge of this mega sports property that rules this country. That's a lot of responsibility for YouTube. Let's hope they can pull this thing off. What will it offer? How will the streaming service be? I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see 
And I just don't think the NFL thought a lot about that from the convenience of the consumer. They just looked at, oh, look how much billions they're offering. Let's do that. And I get it. That's Roger Goodell's main job is to make the already billion-dollar owners more money. But at the same time, the fans, once again, are the ones who have to adjust and figure out how they're going to take in the product they so love. And I think, you know, maybe a lot of people can adjust just fine. You know, a lot of people didn't have DirecTV. I don't know if they're going to offer a service-by-service game type of deal. They might. It might be something new. I haven't heard anything about the new structure. In the past, you couldn't do that, and I always used to wonder and ask that question, how great would it be if you could just maybe not pay nearly as much and watch just either your team that you want to see out of market or that division or that conference? I don't know. I think a team-by-team purchase option would be very attractive and that might be something to get them more subscribers but uh, when you have deals between billion dollar industries like the NFL and YouTube we're the ones that are going to be left out in the lurch and that seems to be the case now so I got to figure out what I'm going to do Because that was always so attractive, right, to be able to watch out-of-town games. Whether you get the baseball package, the NBA, hockey, Sunday ticket. It's just cool to be able to say, yeah, I can watch my team play right here, right now. But no, no, we we don't get that. We don't get that. Yes, there you go. Texas Tech last night wore alternate uniforms that were true to who they were. Imagine that. Red and black. And it just says Tech across the chest. I don't think Virginia Tech has ever done that. That would be cool. Now there would be a nice uni, an alternate uni. You don't have to change your color, your whole personality. How about just putting Tech across the chest, like in an old script like Texas Tech did last night? That looked pretty good. Did they go ahead and throttle West Virginia, by the way. They did, didn't they? No, West Virginia came back and won. Good. Good for Bobby Huggins. 76-61. Those were good-looking unis, though. Yeah, I did see some of that game last night, actually. By the way, in case you missed it, Pitt knocked off Wake 81-79. That's a close game and a big win for the Panthers. They're now 7-3. Wake falls to 6-4. And And BC keeps Louisville winless. 75-65. 75-65. My goodness. I mean, I know there's a lot of transition at Louisville, and that program was really kind of shattered down. But, whoo, 2-18 and and 0-9 for the Louisville basketball. Mm. You've heard David Till talk about it. They have as much or more money than any other athletic department in the entire ACC. And they're watching this team going to lose, what, 25 games or so this year? Wow. Speaking of culture and the rebuilding thereof, boy, it needs to happen around Louisville basketball in a hurry. Andy Bitter in about 15 minutes, then Dwight Vick at 835 here on a overcast, very chilly Thursday morning.
best sports talk in the New River Valley, period. And you can quote us on that. That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack! More Big Dog next on WRAD. Approaching here on this Thursday game night down at the Dedman Center, Radford and Longwood. Come on out and hang out with us. It'll be on the ESPNU nationally. Highlanders try to uh, win their sixth straight. And not only would they forge a two-way tie for second with the dub, they would actually have a little bit of a lead because they would have won head-to-head. Um against the Lancers. Lancers have been so good. Only two Big South losses over the last, well, all of last year, just one loss. Just one loss so far this year. They're like 22-2 and two in their last 24. You can't overstate the job that uh, Griff Aldridge has done in Farmville. They have been absolutely magnificent. And I mean just magnificent rebuilding that program. He talks about culture, right? And a lot of times he, he's related to everybody there administratively on down, being on the same page and being dedicated to doing what it took to win. And that's where they are right now. And they're going for back-to-back uh, titles and NCAA appearances. So um, Radford tries to get in the way of that tonight at home. And what we hope will be a uh, very loud, boisterous, and... Heavily attended game. That's what we're hoping for tonight at the Dedman Center. If you have the opportunity, you should come out. We do. Let me see. I've given away three pair. I have one pair of tickets left if you'd like to go tonight. Seven o'clock. If you'd like to go and you want to go, just um, call me up during the break and uh, you can go to the game on us. 639-4900. And I'll give you a pair during the commercial. Gave away... uh, Pair yesterday, a couple pair today during the break. We have one more pair left if you would like to attend the game. Hit me up during the break tonight. And you can see uh, two really good basketball teams go at it here in your own backyard in the new River Valley. Andy Bitter from The Athletic comes up in about five minutes, and uh, we'll get his take on these recruiting days, what they mean. Um, Culture. He was there covering it. He's done it a long time covering this program and where he thinks it's headed under Brent Pry. I think it'll be very interesting to get Andy's take. He has such a keen eye. So I'll ask him those questions. And, you know, there's never really an offseason when you're running a football program. Right now it's more recruiting. Right now you're getting your whole spring schedule tweaked. Guys are in the weight room working out. The uh, early entrants are in, trying to get acclimated. A lot of stuff that goes on that falls in between game day Saturdays. 
But that'll come your way next as we've reached the halfway point here on a Thursday. Glad to have you aboard wherever you might be. Good morning. Stay safe. Bundle up this morning. It's chilly. We'll be back with Andy Bitter from The Athletic after this. Twenty-five minutes for the top of the hour here on a blustery, I might as well use their word, blustery Thursday. Joining us now on the program, he covers Virginia Tech football for The Athletic. His name is Andy Bitter. A.B., how are you? Good morning, my friend. I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Doing okay, man. Uh, well, a lot of stuff uh, going on, even though it's the off offseason. Uh, Tech is set up. Tell us about these uh, recruiting days they have set up and how strategically they have been placed and uh, what they're looking to do to get a head start on the next recruiting class in 2024. Well, yeah, it's always interesting how early they, they start with these junior days. Uh, you know, signing the, the second signing day hasn't even happened yet, but it's pretty <laughs> much an afterthought. There's nothing that's really going to go on on that second signing day. So, you know, they have their class pretty much done, I think, in 2023. That may be a, a straggler here or there. And uh, they're focused on the next class, so they're they're bringing in some of these uh, 2024 and, and beyond recruits right now, trying to get them in, see the campus early, because you have to get in early on these guys. If you don't, they start making their decisions and going to other places in the spring and summer, and, and sometimes even the winter here. So uh, early impressions is always a big deal, and I think you know that's something they've been combating the last couple of years because they haven't you know been on the forefront of it because they haven't had chance to with some of these guys. So. Uh, the earlier they can get them here, the the better they feel about it. Yeah, it's a really good vibe, isn't it? I mean, it, it just shows you the long view that Coach Pry is taking, whether it's through uh, high school recruiting continuing or the portal. And you're right, it, it's just about kind of creating that relationship, which is something he's talked about a lot. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's talked – you do that when they're freshmen and sophomores uh, – in in high school, not when they're seniors. Yeah. When they're seniors, yeah. their minds are made up at that point. So, uh, really, this is you know not the first class that they've been able to to really get ahead on some of these guys, but the, the first time that they've been able to get after some of these younger guys in these classes uh, since they've been in here. Well, you had a terrific piece uh, via the Athletic about um, Tech's success in the portal, and you had the questions fact versus myth. What did you discover after you broke it down? What was your results of your own self-poll there, facts or myths, about Tech's portal success and or lack thereof? Well, I think they did quite a bit of good. And the names that are they got out of the portal, they might not be stars. They might not be the, the headliner names that you're going to see for some of these schools, but they filled a lot of needs. And it really, they, they went hard on the offense, with a quarterback, a running back, three wide receivers. I mean, you look at this offense. This was the 119th ranked offense in the country last year. That side of the ball needed help, uh, especially, you know, you lose Caleb Smith, your leading receiver. You lose Keyshawn King, your leading rusher. I mean, every team has a leading receiver and rusher. So I, I'm not going to say that they were, uh, you know, irreplaceable guys, but, you know, still guys that statistically did all right last year. You need to replace them. And I think they got some – some interesting receivers in Jennings and, and Lane, especially uh, guys that have produced before. 
Uh, Tootin at running back, I, I think, is a guy they can give the ball a lot to. I mean, he, he produced when he had the ball in his hand. He possibly got a starting quarterback in Kyron Drone. So uh, all those guys in the canteen on the defense to kind of fill some spots, I think they did a lot of good. I, I don't think they did as much as they wanted because uh, they didn't grab an offensive lineman, didn't grab an, any defensive lineman with Darius Varner flipping to Wisconsin. Uh, they still need an edge rusher. They need somebody that can put a little bit of fear into an opposing quarterback and, you know, starting to get late in the game. I mean, whoever they get, if they get anybody, it's not going to be here for the spring. And uh, I'm starting to think that they're not really going to find an impact guy there. I was going to ask you about that (laughs) table, about that. You're right. It seems like with the O-line and with what happened defensively across the front, I mean, it can happen any time in the portal, but you're right. What What is left, right? We get all these names that are put in, all these thousands of kids, and then it just kind of stagnates a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, with whatever is left and what they're able to do, like you said, the key point is they can't get in here in the spring now. Yeah, and I think that practice time is very valuable. Now, obviously, if you get a veteran enough guy, an experienced enough guy, somebody that's good enough, they can overcome some of that. They don't need to be here for an entire uh, spring ball, and I mean, it would help them learn the offense, but if they've been around for a while, they can pick stuff up pretty quickly. And, you know, there will be a second rush of guys in the portal after spring ball. Uh, and you just kind of wonder what the quality of those guys will be. I mean, are these guys going to be, I'm really looking to better my situation, or are they going to be, uh, I didn't get the depth chart standing I wanted coming out of spring. So how good can they be, really? So, uh, there's still guys out there. I'm not going to say that the the pool has been emptied at this point. It's just uh, it's starting to dwindle a little bit from what it was, obviously, uh, you know, two months ago. Andy Bitter joins us on the <laughs> program covering Virginia Tech football for the Athletic. And I'm going to ask you the question because I hear it almost every day: the quarterback battle, Grant Wells, Chiron Drones. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of excitement about the kind of potential Drones has, but it's just that he hasn't played enough college ball. I don't think to really know what kind of impact he's going to have. Grant Wells has a year in the system. And I know it's an unfair question because the coaches haven't really talked about it, but how do you sense this thing may go, just looking two or three months down the road? I mean, I kind of lean towards Drones being the guy, just because this offense needed somebody that has a little bit more maneuverability and running ability uh, and adds an element to this whole thing. But I'm saying that having never seen him play in person. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I'm just kind of guessing at this point. I, I don't, you know, you're basing it off of, you know, you played 20 snaps or whatever it was at West Virginia last year. But it's put a lot of stock in one, one half of football or right. however much he played in that game. So, uh, you know, I'd love to see him, him on the field and see how he operates and see how he takes his offense before I, I say anything. I, I actually put that in my fact or myth thing, and I said hung jury on that because I didn't know. And people were like, take a stand. Pick one <laughs> side or the other. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I know right. if I don't know. Like, I have <laughs> I have a thought of which direction it might go, and I just said that, drones, but I don't know. And I, and I haven't heard from anybody at Virginia Tech that would indicate what way it's, it could go. So, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to let things play out a little bit and get a little bit more information before you come to a, a conclusion. I'm not Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless here. I'm not going to say something for the sake of saying something. I, I hate it when reporters oh, or no, well, those, guys aren't, those guys aren't necessarily reporters start doing stuff like this. Oh, the worst shows on television. Absolutely. Well, no, it's a good thought. And I guess, do you have a sense? I mean, the staff, 
they want to still believe in Grant Wells, right? I mean, they everything he did wasn't bad. I like a lot of people have this perception he was this ultimate failure when he really wasn't, right? I mean, in retrospect, given the lack of overall talent that was around him and how poorly the offensive line played. Yeah, the whole operation was bad. I mean, you can't put that on one guy. I mean, when you you're, have some of these historic lows that Virginia Tech had, it's not like, oh, they were a quarterback away from – a quarterback away from what? Being the 110th-ranked offense in the country? <laughs> I mean, you can't put this on one player, which is why I think, you know, there was such a wholesale turnover uh, on the offense in terms of bringing guys in in the portal because they need help everywhere. And, and they got help almost everywhere except offensive line, which still – is a pretty big concern in my eyes about how this offense is going to fare next year. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 it could be that Wells was, was holding things back a little bit, but he wasn't the only issue on this offense. And I don't think simply replacing him changes everything. So I'd like to see how he plays with uh, you know a few more weapons at his disposal at receiver. And you know he didn't have anything of a running game consistently last year that they could lean on. Perhaps they're a little bit better in that sense with some – uh, you know, another running back and a healthy running back in Malachi Thomas. So you give these guys some help, I mean, you might be surprised to see how much better a quarterback can play. Well, not only regarding Tech's portal entries and who they've brought in, what's the overall consensus in the ACC? Who's the program or two that stands out in terms of guys that came in from other schools? I think you look at Florida State, they seem to have this portal thing down. I mean, Mike Norvell goes out and gets guys – uh, you know, Central Cypress from Virginia was the second team all ACC pick last year. He's going down there to play cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a really uh, touted tight era, uh, offensive tackle from UTEP, uh, which I know people are going to say, oh, a tackle from UTEP. But, uh, you know, all the, all the transfer rankings have him ranked pretty high. And again, that goes back to our conversation about how tough it is to find linemen. I mean, yeah. you're, you're pulling the guy from UTEP is, is the top. Uh, offensive tackle in the class. They got a defensive lineman from Purdue, one from Miami. I mean, they just uh, tight end from Georgia. They they just hit a lot of different spots. South Carolina, I should say, hit a lot of different spots uh, on their roster, and they've had success in the past. You look at you know Jordan Travis and Jared Verst and Jermaine Johnson. They've had all these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of them have been draft picks, but but all ACC guys. They've gotten through the portal and. You know, they seem to do pretty well. And they, they, they finished 2022 on an upswing, and I think this is only going to help them. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it, that that's the school. I mean, obviously they have so many innate recruiting advantages, and they never seem to have an overwhelming difficult time finding high school talent. But yet, Mike Norvell, you're right, he seems to understand all those ACC kids that they had that were from other schools last year. I mean, He's got it working, doesn't he, with the portal. It's uh, survive or die, and he's found a way to make sure his program can bounce back quickly. And they might be the favorite, right? One of the favorites next year. They might be, and, and part of the reason is that Clemson doesn't do anything in the portal. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know Clemson has been such a great program for so long, but they've slipped a little bit in the last two years. And, you know, whether you, you like it or not – and it seems like Davo Swinney is just sort of against the portal in general. I know he's gone in there a couple of times, but he just doesn't use it too much. There's an avenue for adding players to your roster these days. And, you know, Clemson does not have a perfect roster, and I think it could benefit from adding some guys. And you've seen teams of that caliber do it before. You know, Alabama adds transfers. Georgia adds transfers. I mean, there's, there's ways to enhance your roster, plug some holes, and Clemson just doesn't seem to go about it. So, 
you know, I suppose that's somewhat noble in this day and age that, you know, Dabo sticks to the guys he recruits. He's like, we're going to get these guys through it and develop them, and they're going to be, uh, you know, the perfect fit for this roster in the long haul. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's sort of a idealistic way of, of looking at college football or, or maybe a naive way of looking at it because there are guys out there that could help that roster. They brought it in, uh, could come in and play right away, and they just haven't really gone after them. Andy Bitter joins us on the program, keeping you updated on all things tech football here in The <laughs> Athletic. Before we let you go, Andy, I want to ask you, we've had a good discussion today about culture, and I brought it up today thinking about what not only what Coach Price talked about, but you know, I was watching all these quarterbacks going to be playing on Championship Sunday, right? Patrick Mahomes, Joey Burrow. I didn't hear Brock Purdy, but I heard Jalen Hurts. They all bring that up in these conversations. And you've been there for – quite a while now, all the different versions of tech football when that culture was what it needed to be and then what it dwindled into and eroded into with Justin Fuente. Can you talk about that culture then, you know, when things were in place, what happened when it was gone and what Brent Pry has done maybe in his short time already to kind of establish it again? Yeah, I, I always hear that word thrown around. and You know, I agree you have to have a good culture and you have to stand for something and be about something. And, you know, that's sort of what you lean on in, in tough times to get through. But I think sometimes that word gets confused with just winning. Because <laughs> I think winning covers up a lot of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think if your program is doing well, that some of those culture things don't pop up as much. And people can overlook them and go, well, it's not that bad. We're winning. So it's fine. I'm not going to make a big stink about this, and everybody on the team is happy. But when you're losing, all of a sudden the culture is, oh, my gosh, the culture is rotten and they can't do anything. It's like, well, I don't know about that. I think the team is just not as good as it's been in the past. Uh, so, you know, I, I hear that word a lot, and I, I kind of laugh at it because I go, I think sometimes it just boils down to wins and losses. I mean, the, you know, the culture was great in Justin Fuente's first two years. They were going to – an ACC championship game in that first year went nine and four the next year. And then the culture was horrible the, the year after that when they were terrible. And I don't know if that was necessarily related to the actual culture of the program and just the fact that they weren't winning games anymore. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I do think that Pry has some things going in the right direction in that sense. It feels like there are guys that want to be there. There's not as much grumbling uh, on the team or around the roster right now, but you know, go three and nine again this year, and we'll see how great that culture is and how how, how much people are touting it. Uh, you know, I think it can go south pretty quickly, and I, I think sometimes we can just kind of confuse culture with winning and being on the same page, right? Willingness to work, all the little things that add to that, right? I mean, maybe that's what it is more than just an actual just stoic word that's out there just seeing the kind of effort that's put into making it a winning program once again yeah but i mean you can see like i i would be a whole lot more willing to work if you know the team was seven and two versus if they were two and seven (laughs) right right i think a lot of guys can check out with that so again i think a lot of it boils down to a one loss record i'm not saying it's it's nothing and i'm not saying the prize and doing a good job but I, i do think sometimes that can be overstated so what are you going to be focused on now uh, as this team gets ready to go, finishing up whatever it's going to do with its roster as you get ready for the spring? What things are you looking for here to cover heading into this important spring, very important second spring for this program? 
Well, I've kind of got a bigger story I'm working on and Michael Vick and Ronald Curry uh, oh, since cool. 25 years ago in the Peninsula District. I actually nice. I just talked to both of them uh, earlier this week, so I, I think that could be a, a pretty good story once I get it done. Yes. It's been on my plate for a while, so I'll be happy to, to finally write that one. Uh, you know, schedule comes out next week, and then it kind of moves into the off season. And then, you know, anybody making moves in this off season workout program, and you know, what's the plan? I'd like to talk to Pry and just, you know, sort of get the lay of the land with this roster and what they're thinking. I have no idea who the Mike linebacker is going to be. I'd love to hear his thoughts on that and just sort of, you know, what they hope uh, the team will look like and hope to accomplish going into the spring because it's probably a pretty big uh, spring for this team. Uh, coming off the type of season that they had, the additions that they had, and, and trying to move this thing forward in year two. Well, that'll be a great piece, man. When when will that be completed? The the Vic and uh, Curry piece is it almost done already? That is a that is a question you and my editors have been uh, <laughs> anxiously waiting for. Uh, I will just say TBD right now. I got a few more interviews I got to do for that. Uh, but uh, I do have the two principal interviews, so that moves that thing along a bit. Well, that'll be a fun dive into when we talk to you here soon. That'll be great. That'll be great. All right, man. Well, listen, great info. Thanks for answering the questions. Most of those come from our our listeners to you, and uh, have a great rest of the week. Enjoy the games this week. Who you got? You got any upsets this week? I'm going with both road teams in the championship games. Uh, I... Man, the Eagles looked so good last they week. Did. And, uh, they did. fall into that trap. I do like the Bengals. Maybe I'll go with Bengals-Eagles. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You're right. The, the Eagles look like a special team uh, last Saturday. They really, really did. Absolutely, they do. I'd like to see. I'd like to see Tap get to the Super Bowl, Daryl Tap. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. The Eagles play. I, I think the team that can beat them in the NFC, the only team that could do it was the Eagles, or it was the 49ers, just because of the, the physical brand of football that they play, and mm-hmm. it seems to travel pretty well. But man. I don't know if I trust Purdy going in on a road game and a title game. Like he's been really good so far, but I think a little bit of crack showed last week, and uh, that might be a tough environment for him to win in. <laughs> yeah, against those fans especially. I agree 100%. <laughs> All right, brother, listen, have a great weekend. Appreciate you, Andy. All right. There Talk you to you later. That's Andy Bitter. He uh, covers Virginia Tech football from The Athletic. Appreciate his time. And you heard him. He He's not buying into the culture arguments. Interesting. We'll get into that uh continued conversation with the white at 8 30 good conversation that's gonna be a great piece by the way the whole uh the white vic ronald curry 25 years later wow that'll be outstanding all right we'll be back stay with us wrapping up hour two when we return we've heard the other guys and frankly we've heard enough now shut that door and get the hell out the grown-ups are talking, so sit down and listen. Yeah, that's right. Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson returns next on the WRAD Talk Network. The 8 o'clock power hour is headed your way next. Dwight Vick at the bottom of that. We'll get more into this conversation about culture. Now, it's interesting. I asked which came first, all right? Theoretically, in your mind or in the factual premise of it, winning or having the right culture that helps you win? I don't know. 
I just don't think you start winning if things aren't done the right way. Maybe there have been exceptions, but look at all the great college programs that have traditionally won, right? But then they lost their culture along the way with bad coaching hires, bad recruiting, whatever it might be. And then, poof, just ask Nebraska, who had one of the most admired cultures under Tom Osborne in college football. What happens or what can happen? We'll be back for Hour 3. Stay with us.